on this particular episode that, you know, the first half is going to be talking about these kind of issues. And so if people want to get into the music stuff, it's really going to be the second half of the podcast. We have changed in the time that we talked about this. Well, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's real interesting too, like how the musicians, the level of uh, increased ability to um, operate in a piece of electronic gear for Hawaii musicians, <laughs> like, it's really stepped up a lot. Yeah, there's, there's so there's for, for sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. Everybody learned to be a techie there in this shutdown, that's for sure, right? All the musicians. The musicians did, yeah. For real. And then there's John getting, like, questions. Oh, how's your setup? He's like, I just put my phone next to it. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, because I think I, I think it was Kelly Boy Guy's performance, their first one on during the pandemic. I had to watch like this because everything was sideways. For the <laughs> 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 oh. All right. Okay, so I'm going to start here. Um, hey, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the High Sessions Hawaii podcast. I am John Yamasato, your host, and with me today is Mr. Kyle Shimabukuro. How's it? Devin Nakoba. How's it? And our special guest today is Darren Leong. And uh, hey, Darren. Hey. How are you sporting my High Life shirt? Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Thank you. Support now, local uh, business. <laughs> those of you may, may not know Darren because when it comes to high sessions and, and all that stuff, he is a behind the scenes guy. <clears throat> so for those of you who watch the channel, all of the mixing that's done uh, and why all the music sounds good is because of Darren. He is a master uh, mixer and sound engineer and so uh, he's back there doing a lot of the work, but rarely gets the credit and the face time. So um, we're glad to have him on. But even more importantly, he is also a very uh, successful lawyer. Are you? Oh wait, are you a lawyer? You're an attorney, right? There's a difference. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, dude. <laughs> no, I heard. I heard it's different. I had. A, I had a teacher, a real estate attorney, tell me otherwise that a lawyer can do law work, but an attorney can testify in front of a of a judge or something like that or they can do um what's that called when you go into court be a witness i i, I don't know but i mean if the internet told you then i'm sure it's true <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right. I, i'm just saying that, that was what people told me there's a difference i think they're i think they were trying to make themselves sound a little bit more important than they actually were but okay well you i try to so. use attorney now more because that seems like the more advanced one but if they're the same whatever what, anyway. Is there a difference between realtor and real estate agent? That's uh, a good question. No, I, I, don't know. I don't think so. Maybe there is, but yeah, it's one of those things like whether there is or not, I, I really don't care. Potato, potato, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. What are you going to be called though, Darren? Darren. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. So a quick disclaimer on this particular, so this is a special edition episode because this, uh, this episode is really going to be talking about um, unemployment, PPP, government loans, and things like that. It's just something that we thought was important to get some word out to our audience. And uh, if you're not interested in that, you may want to fast forward about 30 minutes. because the So we'll do the first half about uh, government loans, unemployment, the economy just in general in Hawaii because that's what Darren's been working on a lot. And then the second half, we'll get into the music speak. So 
um, Darren, you're going to be the first podcast that we're going to do the podcast and then upload the podcast in the same day. So that's your special claim to fame where we, we're doing this all at one time, you know? No pressure cool. or anything. Yeah. Cool. So um, I think I, I mentioned it, but I'll say it again. Darren is, does uh, unemployment law. He's a very successful, uh, not unemployment, employment law. Uh, he's a very successful attorney. And um, what we wanted him to do today, ooh, my wife just brought me a, a, a sandwich. <laughs> I haven't had lunch yet. Wait, did you, wait. Oh, that looked like a piece of cake. No, no, it's, oh, it's a, it's a egg sandwich. sandwich. Oh, tuna sandwich. Tuna oh, sandwich with a lot of Your wife made a sandwich? What's up with that, man? Yeah. All, I'll eat this off camera so people don't see me chewing, but. but if you but, want, uh, I can see, I got, I got my food, so. Oh, wow. What is it? Oh, that looks like ahi? Yeah. Nice. Caesar salad. Nice. Where is that from? Uh, big city diner. No place finer. <laughs> Please don't eat during the podcast, Evan. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, right, fine. so anyway, what we wanted to to get the information out about is is this uh, these loans, SBA, PPP loans. What what are what are they? Are is it even worth <laughs> applying at this point? And then, Darren, do you know about the unemployment stuff? Because I see a lot of stuff online on Facebook and. Um, Instagram about people applying and they can't get through and you know tips and tricks on we actually we actually just did a um, a thing on our station for that so if you need help with that you can let me know okay. well, yeah we had we had the we had the we had the guy director on today mm -hmm. so to talk about yeah. it that is a very very hard job right now yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. That's yeah. The, one yeah. thing I can say with certainty is that is a hard job right now so Darren, let's start off with the PPP uh, SBA stuff. Um, I know that they did a second round of, of money released and um, do we still apply for that? Yeah, so uh, federal, okay, so this is current as of May 7th, 2020. Um, so on <laughs> March 27th, Congress passed a law, the biggest piece I think by far in that law is a program called the Paycheck Protection Program, which is intended to be this, um, sort of eight week lifeline for small businesses. Uh, they identify in their rules that because of coronavirus, restaurants, retail, shopping malls, uh, they put gyms in there for some reason, because <laughs> um, that's a major category, I guess. Uh, but all of these businesses are shut down or um, you know, have very significant revenue loss that would cause them to lay off workers. And so Congress passed this bill that's intended to provide eight weeks of payroll um, coverage for small businesses and also cover some uh, other expenses like rent and utilities. And uh, it rolled out super, super fast. So they put up uh, the applications uh, one week after the law was passed. In just the first day, it got flooded and the first round of funding went, you know, in the blink of an eye. Uh, they opened up a second round of funding for this uh, last week, Monday, we initially thought that it was going to go in a matter of hours or perhaps just a day or two. Um, and a lot of things were changing uh, in terms of the rules. Our congressional delegation pushed super hard uh, behind the scenes to make sure that Hawaii was treated fairly. And surprisingly, the money has lasted. So 
Uh, as of May 7th, uh, we have not gotten a, a report from uh, SBA on how much money is left since uh, about two days ago or three days ago, but uh, it appears that there is still money available. And so a couple of our banks right now are still accepting applications. Um, one of them is Central Pacific Bank, and I think the other is American Savings Bank. So for any business that uh, due to the uncertainty that's caused by uh, COVID-19 um, that would uh, need money to maintain operations, um, then this, uh, this loan is available. And it's essentially money equivalent to two and a half months of payroll costs. That's the total amount you could get. And potentially that entire amount is free, clear, and forgivable if you use it within eight weeks for the uh, appropriate purposes, which is 75% or three quarters of it used to maintain payroll and the other 25% for things like rent and utilities are, are the biggest ones. So um, for anyone who has not applied yet, um, who owns a small business or maybe a independent contractor, that sort of thing, uh, that is still available. Um, the second big program that is available is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, uh, which is referred to as EIDL, E-I-D-L. Uh, that is through the SBA directly. Um, it's unclear whether that applications for that program are only open to agriculture right now or whether it's actually open to everyone because there's a conflict between the SBA website and the Treasury website. So if you went through the Treasury website, um, the application is just open. Uh, if you go to the SBA website, it says agriculture only. So I, I don't actually know uh, what the current status is, but those, those loans are low interest uh, loans with an advance that is fully uh, forgivable and becomes a grant. So the advance portion of an, of an idle uh, is up to $10,000, and then the rest is a low-interest loan. I think it's 3.75% for businesses, nonprofits, 2.75%, uh, 30 years. And, you know, it's a low-interest loan to carry the business through. So those are the two big options on the table right now. Okay, so the, the, let me get this straight. The, the one you're talking about last oh, week. Kyle, you're soft it. again. The one that you, you were talking about last night is a EIDL emergency yep. disaster relief, blah, 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 right? Yep. Okay, so I, I filled that out with the intent of them saying you were going to get 10 grand forgiven up front, right? For, yeah, so the, the then, advanced part, yeah. And then I filled it out, and then I got $1,000 in my bank account. Yeah, because you, you got one person, right? So what happened was, I mean, there's there's a few things about that program. The it was supposed to be funded within three days of the application, um, the the advances. But I mean, it's just physically impossible for SBA. When this all went down, um, they were overloaded completely. And then once PPP happened, they they funded 14 years of loans in 14 days. So there was no way they were going to be able to to meet that kind of speed. Um, the other thing that happened is the money for idle ran out. So they got some new money now, but because the original money ran out, 
they um, they put rules on the advances. So originally it was just $10,000 you can just get a $10,000 advance, but because they essentially ran out of money, they uh, slapped rules on it to say $1,000 per employee. Yeah. So you would need 10 employees to get the, the $10,000. Yeah. But if you did if you did PPP or something like that, the the idle advance, the the disaster loan advance, it it just gets rolled into the PPP forgiveness. So you can't you can't do both in terms of getting like a, a double benefit of free money. So yeah. if you have a PPP loan, the idle advance really is not uh, it's it's not free money because it just reduces the amount of your PPP forgiveness mm-hmm. by the amount of the idle. Okay. Yeah. So when I filled out the idle, that was the first thing I filled out because as soon as it came on, I filled it out. I said, Oh, 10 grand. I can yep. deal with that. I filled it out. And then somebody said, fill up the PPP. I go, nah, I'm getting 10 grand. I'm, I'm okay. I don't need any more. So I sat on the PPP. And then when somebody said, no, you should fill it out anyway. I went on, on, on all, all the banks and it was shut down. Yeah. Right. The first wave. So yep. um, I was like, well, I guess I just got to hope on that idle. And then I got a grand in my account. I'm like, Oh shit. I got to fill up that PPP now. But when we tried to fill it out, obviously it was all filled. They just reopened it, right? Uh, last week. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Filling filling it out now, the rules changed again, so you couldn't use your old application. You got to fill it out all new again, right? And it's been a frustrating, pain in the ass kind of thing to figure out, especially me who's not used to filling out forms and all this kind of stuff. And I should be watching your podcast daily to learn about these things, but it's so so frustrating that I, I pretty much am on the point of giving up. Of, well, of giving so, all, so you, know? you have, you have uh, perhaps a, still a window of, of chance. I don't know when, I don't know how deep CPB and ASB's lines are. I, I know they definitely cleared their, their existing queue from the first round and started taking new stuff on. I don't know how much they, um, you know, how big their line is right now. Um, but if you are able to get into this uh, round of funding, assuming that's possible, say you put in an application today, then the uh, the question is, is that uh, an appropriate vehicle for you? So you're, you're a one-person shop, essentially, yes. right? So the question for you is, um, between uh, federal unemployment, which is now available to independent contractors, yeah. versus PPP, for that eight week period, like which one is better? Um, and so uh, when you're comparing the two, PPP would be for an individual like yourself, it would be two and a half months of 2019 net profit. So take your net profit and capped at $100,000. Um, so, uh, you know, the amount, the maximum, maximum amount of that you're going to be able to have forgiven if you had a hundred thousand dollars or more of 2019 net profit would be fifteen thousand dollars three hundred and change over the eight week period and I, and if that's more than what you would get on unemployment then ppp is the better option uh if the unemployment amount is you know closer or more than it's simpler just to stay on that federal unemployment all the way through rather than going unemployment then ppp and coming off of unemployment 
then unemployment again at the end of June, yeah. you know, to the end of July, because it's a pain to keep switching. And quite frankly, the system is not the most uh, efficient right now at processing claims. So when the pool came out, I filled it out, turned it in, but then I got no response yet because obviously they don't know how they're gonna deal with that. So I'm <laughs> in line for pool, not doing the PPP, got juked on the um the the disaster relief thing, and I'm just sitting here going, just get me back to work so I can make some money, man. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like frustrating already. I, I I just in this loophole of just trying to fill out things and it get canceled or changed or. I don't know what to fill out or which one to go to. So I am in line with the pool. And maybe that's my, my, my choice where I'm going to just stay right now and see what happens. But nothing yeah. is guaranteed because every day something changes, right? Uh, it does. Uh, pool is the pandemic unemployment assistance. So it's the federal, it's the federal uh, unemployment. So the two biggest aspects of it are for uh, regular employees. If they're entitled to $1 of unemployment, they get an extra $600 a week from the federal government through that unemployment, and it extends to July 31st. The second major aspect is for, for gig workers, for people who don't monthly or quarterly or whatever pay into the unemployment system because they don't have employees. They're just, you know, they're sole proprietors or whatever. Um, they're entitled to unemployment. It's a, you know, uh, and that's also through the federal government government so i would presume uh kyle's is in that you know category darren um do you suspect that there will be another round of these things or do you think that this will probably be be it as far as these ppps and uh eidl eidls or whatever yeah i i mean there's definitely uh um, a bunch of talk happening in Congress right now. You see it in the news and then, um, you know, in the pieces we get from Congresswoman Gabbard and, uh, and Senator Schatz's office and um, Congressman Case's office. I mean, those are the three we've been in contact with. There, there's definitely discussion going on about further stimulus uh, but it looks like this is going to be a much more contentious discussion between the Republicans and the Democrats. And, and my, my fear is that um, the rest of the country, uh, save New York, um, is going to recover faster than Hawaii is. So there may come a point where, you know, further, there's not enough appetite for further federal stimulus but Hawaii and, uh, and New York are going to be lagging way behind and, and there's not going to be enough kind of push for Hawaii to, to get stimulus money. And that's, uh, and that, that really is on the horizon. I mean, like things like PPP get us through the end of June, but I, like who has the answer to how we're going to open our borders. And if we open our borders, how long is it going to take to get, back to any semblance of, of normal economic levels. Um, and it's just, it's a really heartbreaking thing for us because we're like to, to hear these stories, you know, we're doing these webinars trying to help small businesses just navigate these programs like PPP, but the, 
the offshoot of that, what happens is we hear these stories from all these different businesses, whether they're tourist businesses, restaurants, food suppliers, uh, and there's no, there's no saving in sight for them. I mean, they're staring down a long road of a very difficult, you know, survival path, particularly the businesses that have, um, you know, this high ratio of expense and revenue, like a restaurant is a great example. You have high expense, you need to get your revenue up high, and then you have this very small margin to make profit. Well, your, their expenses are still there, but even if you knock off 25% of their revenue, that it, it, you know, it doesn't work. So, I mean, I think it's really difficult for those businesses and we're going to have to think of ways to keep them alive because, you know, all your favorite restaurants, et cetera, or at least mine, they're, they're all like local owned. Yeah. Some are, you know, some of them are your, like your friends, like the, the three of you guys all have restaurant <laughs> friends, you know? So, I mean, everyone could realistically be a leaky leaky drive-in in the future where they just mm -hmm. can't afford to stay open. And it goes across the board for, for restaurants. It goes across the board for my business, which is t-shirts, you know, and stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm at, don't get me wrong. I'm saying like, well, put me back to work, but I, I understand why we are home to stay safe, you know? And I, under, I, I support that. I'm not in front of the state capital marching around saying, let's not wear a mask and run around and, and, you know, start business and go back to regular life. But I'm afraid even when we go back to regular life, I don't know if businesses like mine and restaurants and stuff can sustain what we've already lost, you know? So even if I'm wanting to go back to work, I'm not sure even if, if a customer would want to walk in to buy a t-shirt, you know, and the, the things have changed so dramatically that I don't know if we're going to have to change profession, you know, and that's what I fear the most. You know? Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, that's the scariest piece. Right. And you know, that, that it's almost like an untouchable subject as to the balance between healthcare and the economy. Yeah. Um, you know, but to, the, the real balance discussion of that is, is one that ends up, you know, falling on philosophy more than it, it does on anything else. So it, it's a hard discussion to have because someone's sort of higher value on uh, life or economy, et cetera, is, is an unassailable sort of standard on, in either direction. So you can't really it's very difficult to have that, that conversation. But, but the one thing I guess I would say about that is the complete binary approach to that, where it's like, well, any life is, you know, one life saved is, is worth shutting down the economy for forever, or the other one, which is just open the whole thing back up and herd mentality, et cetera. I, I mean, I don't, think, I don't think those necessarily make sense because from a public policy perspective, we do draw those lines every single day in making a decision that economic activity at a certain level is worth the, the human cost. It's something that happens every single day. So the, like a, a best example would be a seatbelt in a car. Like we determined that, uh, or cars in general, you could make a car that is way safer than what the standards for cars are now. They would be much more expensive and statistically you could demonstrate that more lives would be saved. But the government has made a determination that 
then there's a certain level at which we're going to allow, you know, uh, lower cost economic activity and that there is going to be some human life impact on that. And, and it, that literally happens everywhere all around us, whether we like it, you know, or not. So it's a really difficult, difficult discussion to, to determine, okay, now that we know that, where do we draw the line? Yeah. And, and it's easy to, to um, uh, Monday, Monday morning quarterback it, or I don't know, you know, um, get, uh, get on the, um, and, and by the way, I'm not a fan of, of the governor or whatever, but, um, you know, a lot of people are jumping on his case, but, you know, he's got some really difficult decisions he's got to make, and we don't have the same information he does. So a lot of people, I think, make it a little bit too simple, you know? Yeah, it's, it's an incredibly, yeah. incredibly complex problem. I mean, here's here's the the other factor is um, as the unemployment rate rises, the there is an increase in deaths associated with with that unemployment increase rise. There's a certain number of deaths that happen for all kinds of kind of uh, reasons that cascade from it, right? So, and then you know. If you then add to it, what what about not just death? What about um, sort of inability to handle Medicare, medical costs, inability to provide food on the table? So you're still alive, but in a really damaged state. Like that has an impact. And how do you take that into account? I mean, so the, the question is so ridiculously complex that, uh, I mean, the I guess the one thing I would just say is, you know, at least acknowledge the the difficulty of the question to to grapple with, you know. Yeah, we, we're definitely living in scary times, you know, <laughs> yeah. now and in the future, you know. So, I guess I don't know. I don't know what to say. But you guys, but but you guys are are super good examples of, you know, in terms of you think about like what do we want Hawaii to look like six uh, say 12 months from now like what do you guys want it to look like well like i want a place with with stores like high life and locally owned small little mom and pop shops uh, you know i want a small business you know person to person and it's it's great to have walmart etc around but you know having like the a whole bunch of of artisan restaurants around and then you know even in in other types of stuff whether it's supplies that you get for your pool or whether it's uh some other kind of retail product that you buy you know or fruits and vegetables fruits and vegetables agriculture uh buying masks now that everyone needs masks like there it's just it just Hawaii seems like a better place when there's more and more of those tiny little businesses. And what I was completely shocked about in terms, like once we started doing all of this Save Hawaii Jobs and Businesses, is there are so many of those businesses, they're everywhere. Like these, these niche one to 15 person businesses. And, and even the ones that are bigger are super like, mom and pop ish whether it's uh a food distributor that serves the entire country like when you actually get down to it and talk to them how few employees they have and sort of what their operations look like 
like it's very local and I just, I hope we can preserve that, I guess. Aaron and um, Evan, um, can we touch upon unemployment as kind of the last piece of, of this first half of the podcast? Oh, go, Devin. <laughs> well, um, one of the problems that they had, I mean, do you want to go over what the solutions are, like what unemployment is trying to do, or do you want to know how they got to this spot in the first place, John? Well, he takes a bite. How come he can eat and I can't eat, bro? What's up? I, know you turned off, I know you turned off your camera so you could eat. <laughs> yeah, you didn't scoff while you was going through the Oh, floor. look. Look camera. at my background now. My background is different, right? It changed it oh. though. I went. I went outside because it was cooler. So say I'm. Uh, I worked at uh, Nike, and now mm -hmm. I'm not working because my my store is shut down. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about going on unemployment. What mm -hmm. are, What are the steps and what are the chances I'm actually going to get something? Well, uh, if you apply for unemployment, out. if you apply for unemployment and you really are unemployed, you'll get benefits. It's just a matter of them processing your documentation and that's been the major rub of it because when the the when the director was talking to us today he said for example he goes when i got out of high school he uh worked i guess for the state like doing cleaning and stuff and one of the places he would clean is dlir and he's looking at the machines and the machines are exactly the same <laughs> from when you know what i mean from like when he graduated which is uh, i'm i'm 50 two um kyle is 51 i mean you know we're in the 50 year old range he's yeah. our age well and he saw that he saw that equipment in place and it's that equipment now and the, the computer system that they designed is the same thing so and and then they went from two percent three percent unemployment to 30 35 <laughs> yeah. 40%, yeah. right? So you just, there, there was no way, it's like um, what Darren was saying with the loan program. There was just no way for people to keep up. There, there just isn't. So that's why they, they can't answer the phone because they're trying to get to everybody. Um, I think he was saying that they're at about, um, they, it sounds like they're about halfway. What? Uh, they're about halfway done with, that with getting right. people, like getting people their unemployment. Like it's, a, I think it was like, he said something like 140,000 people and they're, they're at about 78, 79,000 are, are currently like getting benefits and everybody else is sort of in the pipeline. And I mean, they're, they had to set up shop at the convention center because they just didn't have enough people to process stuff. So you had people sitting down. And in fact, the governor went down and processed people's unemployment just so that he would know what it was like. I mean, that's why everybody gives the governor shit, but he's the, he's the only guy I know who's nerdy enough to go down to, to the around and try to do it. And he said, it's crazy because, well, he didn't say that part, but I, I'm putting words into his mouth, but he said, it's difficult because it's, it's not a GUI. It's not a graphical user interface. You're not, you know, you don't do that. It's almost DOS like, and you guys remember DOS, right? It's, you know, it's, one one digit, then another digit, then another digit. And he said, the, the problem is the thing is so antiquated that if you screw any one part of those things up, you got to start all over again. You can't just back up and erase stuff. And you figure they, they also had to get all of those people, those 500 people or whatever who are sitting in that room, they had to get all those people trained up to put in the information. Because if you've never seen it before and you've never used it before, you, you can't expect somebody to sit down and give them a piece of paper and go, okay, here put all this information because in, it doesn't work that way. Let me ask you this question, Devin. Oh, sorry, John. Go ahead. 
gonna say, so at this point, if I've applied, I know people who can continually call the unemployment office and continually follow up. That's not going to yeah. do anything at this point, right? No. Yeah. No. Okay. So what what they recommend right now, and Derek can correct me if I'm wrong. What they recommend right now is, in, rather than calling, go online. Um, start to do that. Um, they uh, the director was saying that they they've just recently um, started to upgrade it to a Pascal, I believe, system. So um, it's supposed to get better. It's supposed to get faster. But he said they're doing these things that they never they've never had before. So they're basically trying to start a brand new program. I mean, in terms of you know work with a brand new program on the fly, and and so they're 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 making changes and fixing stuff as they go along and that as anybody will tell you who's worked with computers right that's just not the way to go because you're not gonna there, there's stuff that's just gonna happen and you're gonna have to try to fix it and what they're trying to do is they're trying to fix everything on the fly because they know people are hurting and they they want to try and get to everybody as quickly as possible but um uh, yeah, I mean, could they do a better job probably of explaining the process and making sure people understand? Yeah, but you know what? At this point, I mean, we all have friends who just don't have money coming in, period. Um, you know, the three of us are lucky because our wives actually have jobs. Well, okay, John has a job. But, um, you know, we're lucky that we have jobs. Or, uh, but, you know, you provide, you can provide for your family and you, you're – uh, you're forward thinking enough that you kind of built a little egg that you can kind of dip into. But sure. most of the people in Hawaii, I would say 90% don't live that way. They mostly live paycheck to paycheck. I myself, if not for my wife, I'd be living paycheck to paycheck. So I totally understand it. But um, uh, the, the, the other thing about the unemployment is um, if you wanted to apply for um, that program, Kyle, that you were talking about, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it, the, the well, acronym for it. Yeah, the poor thing. You you first have to get rejected by another program, and then you can apply for the poor thing. You cannot do like they have to. They have to take you out of this pool. You have to go to this one. They have to reject you, and then you can apply for this one, and then you have a chance. Um, in fact, it happened to um, what's his name? Um, Sean Pimentel. Sean had applied initially, right, on, on the program and said, hey, you know, I, I need to get this money. And they went, no, you cannot. And then he had to wait like 15 days for them to tell him that they couldn't. And then he had to apply for the second one. And now that's 15 days. Now he has to wait another 15 days in order to get notification whether he qualifies for that one or not. But in the meantime, fast. let's say you applied for unemployment in March. And now they're only processing it and it's May. I mean, yeah. Yeah, when they finally process it and it's okay to pay you out, are they going to pay you from March? Yeah, they're supposed to. Yes. It's all retro. Yeah, yeah, okay. yes. retro. That's yeah. good. But, but, but guys, that you know. Well, I mean, it's it's great. The unfortunate part is you kind of need the money now. So if they give yeah. you five thousand dollars in June when your you know your rent was due in March and now you don't have any money. You're you're gonna be out on your ass by the time you get this money, yeah. so you know. And but, juggling all that stuff is kind of crazy. It, well, here's here's the other crazy sort of piece to it is is for uh, most workers who are you know not at the upper edges of compensation, 
the federal subsidy of $600 on top of their um, regular Hawaii unemployment is going to be more or is more than their actual wages. Yeah. So for the period of time, once they actually get paid, you know, so it's a question of when you actually get the money, but once they get paid, it's more money than regular wages, which has created this um, awkwardness with the PPP program because mm-hmm. the PPP want to program come back work is, now. <laughs> is, is get everyone back on your payroll immediately. Right. So um, it, it, it's, you know, the the system was, uh, you know, this was rolled out by Congress so fast. The whole thing happened so fast that it's a miracle it works at all. You know, so, uh, you know, you're going to have these oddities in it. They're just, it's inevitable. But but those are some of the weirdness that has happened as a result. And hopefully, I mean, hopefully they get around to fixing it. But uh, I think what Darren was mentioning too, that's been the issue now is, now that they're now that we're past this panicking part of the program, now it gets into where the politics starts to come in, and the Republicans start saying, "Okay, where can I put this?" And the Democrats say, "Well, no, 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 we can't just give money to people. We got to actually check on it somehow." And so then you get into this. Plus, they all they have competing um, priorities because the um, the Republicans are saying stuff like, "Well, um, we gotta we gotta provide help for the um, these businesses so that." They can't be sued, right? And the Democrats are saying, wait a second, what do you mean? Like if you fire somebody, they can't, they don't have any means of restitution. They have no, you know what I mean? And so, and that that kind of stuff, that kind of um, policy stuff is now starting to creep up, creep up. And because now they're figuring, well, everybody's good. But it's funny because I don't think Congress realizes how bad people have it still. I mean, not only the not only battling this disease, but um, battling homelessness and battling um, and the the food um, food insecure people being food insecure is a huge thing. I had no idea how bad it was, um, but my friend Terry works for uh, for the food bank, and you know, yeah. four thousand people showed up, and she said that one lady or one guy showed up at like five o'clock in the morning because he said, you know what, I I can't not get the food. Right. And so you got those people and then you got other people who are showing up every week for food. And my friends like, dude, we just gave you food last week. Why are you back again? Like, why can't you can't you? So she said the 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 hoarding mentality to a certain extent is kind of biting people on the ass with the food thing because you get all this food. But you think, OK, that's not enough. That's not enough. And the other thing, too, is they give you 50 pounds worth of food. And that's almost impossible for one family of four to eat in one week and you're not supposed to, but what they end up doing is they end up then divvying it up to other people and giving it away. And then they're back again on the line a week later waiting for more food, but it takes food out of the hands of the people who really are food insecure and need the help. So it's a, it's a weird time to be living in. Sorry. Didn't mean to go on. Those are, those are the workers who are going to be damaged the most in the longer, you know, in the, the third and fourth quarter of this year. Yeah. Um, because even, even if we had a magic, you know, say, say we had a vaccine literally right now and, uh, it would take, you know, X amount of time to roll the whole thing out. Even if we completely opened up our borders, tourism and economic activity is going to be down a very significant percentage over the mid, not just near future, but mid future. 
And so what is the natural consequence of that? Higher unemployment, uh, businesses cutting back on expenses. The biggest one is labor. And the, the people who are most negatively affected are the ones that Devin is talking about. I mean, the hourlies who are part-time, who are living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, this is the, this is the problem that, you know, from a public policy perspective, we are staring down the, the barrel of the gun at. You know, and nobody quite knows how to fix it too, and that's the that's the most scary part. We're just they're sort of just throwing money and throwing food and throwing stuff at it, but nobody's really had a chance to sit down and go, "Hey, wait, 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 how do we get people back to work?" Because you know, somebody who works at a hotel, people. I mean, it doesn't matter how cheap we make the uh, the flights because if people can't afford to come, they can't afford to come, and they won't. Um, so, you know, where do we put them up? Where do we do all that stuff? I, I don't know. Yeah, the, to me, this whole thing has just been putting band-aids on a wound but not really treating the wound, you know? Mm-hmm. like, And, and that, when you don't do that, more bad shit happens, right? Well, yeah. well, the surgery, the surgery is coming down the pipe. I mean, that's the harder discussion. There was clearly a need to put a tourniquet on because if, yeah, you, yeah. Didn't put a tourni- yeah. if you didn't put a tourniquet on in the form of PPP, uh, et cetera, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna bleed gonna out. Bleed out. Yeah, bleed yeah. out. So, yeah. um, I mean, solving that first eight weeks was just you know first things first. And so PPP is is survive May and June. But yeah, mm-hmm. clearly there's there's further reconstructive surgeries to happen after that yeah. point that are necessary. Yeah. I mean, we own a store. Not to make it personal, but we own a store in Waikiki. Before and we, we, I was still to go back to work and. Um, my licensee to open up the store with your key. What does that really get us? I mean, nobody's going to come yeah. in and buy anything right now for it. And you know, that's, that goes for everything in Waikiki if they open up, you know, even if the, yep. the hotels open up at full capacity or just open up in general, will they be able to stay afloat with the, with the amount of tourists not there? But then I'm kind of hesitant of even having tourists there in the first place because, you know, we sanitized Hawaii already. I don't want people coming in that won't be sanitized before they jump on that plane, you know, and I know they're working on the process of doing that to make me feel a lot more confident, but right now people are coming in and I don't know if they're, you know, I don't know if they're going to be the ones starting this up again and I'm going to have to stay at home again in the next six months, you know? Well, when they were, they said when they were doing the tracing that um, they were surprised that a lot of the people who brought the COVID here were people who live here went for a trip someplace and came back home. I mean, they came back with COVID-19 and spread it around. So it wasn't just tourists. It was actually people who live here coming back home because they were in Colorado or they yeah. were, you know, they were in LA or whatever. So the, the idea that the tourists brought it, I think is a little bit of a, a little bit of a stretch. Cause I mean, there were some that brought it, but the majority of the cases that we got, well, I don't know somebody can, somebody who works in the medical field could, could uh, correct me but my understanding was the majority of it is people who actually were from here who brought it back because they caught it from someplace well the people the people actually that they tested were from here that's why i don't think they tested tourists mm-hmm. they went home after two weeks then coughed there and got tested you know i mean <laughs> <laughs> you really can't know you, you, there's no way of, to me there's no way of telling who brought it it's just the fact that somebody brought it and if we can't control it after we sanitize this whole island and somebody's going to come in whether it's a local resident somewhere else or a tourist somewhere else, we got to take care of that before it reaches here. That's my only concern. We're going to have a two-hour-long uh, thing. Yeah, John, yeah but at the same time, I'm worried that 
oh my God, I'm, I'm saying this, but it's detrimental to my business. But I know it's for, it, it, it's beyond business for me. It's about the health and welfare of the people of this, this, this island, you know? Mm-hmm. So, the, the, I'm going to make this you know? You're a good example of the difficult decision because even if we open back up, it's not necessarily economically feasible. So for, for retail or for a restaurant, if you open, you increase your expenses because you have increased in labor expenses or other things that you, whatever it's electricity or, or otherwise um, insurance that you might not otherwise carry over that period of time. And so if you partially open up a restaurant, say you're only allowed 40% capacity, you know, I'm not sure if you have a very thin margin, whether it's actually worth the uh, you know expense ratio that you take on. It depends mm. on the business. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting times. For yeah. Sure. At least there's no such thing as murder hornets or anything. <laughs> ah, that is, that's the next uh, thing you got to worry about, right? <laughs> that is a cra- that is the craziest name. Yeah. I know, right? Oh, really. So did you see the video of the did you see the video of the um the praying, praying mantis, mantis eating yeah. the head? Ooh, that yeah. was awesome. <laughs> praying mantis well, isn't is a the, savage, dude. Isn't isn't that what the murder hornet does to the bees? Rip their head off? Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of decapitation in nature going on. I know, all right. Sheesh, man. Yeah. Gotta bring the murder primantis over to Hawaii after the murder hornet. <laughs> Serial killer primantis. <laughs> so yeah. nuts, man. Hey man, so so let's get into the music side a little bit because Darren is much more musical than people think. He's a Nahoku Hanohano uh, nominee and he does slacky guitar. Um, Darren, what did, how did you even? Oh, okay, I kind of know the story because we're we're good friends. But uh, how? So explain the um, Dev and Kyle um, how you got into slacky and who inspired you and all that stuff. How how you got into it. Oh yeah, for me, I mean, way back in in high school, um, where I was just asking anyone and everyone to to teach me. Uh, Barry Flanagan very graciously helped me out, and uh, I think I think my brother was my first teacher, and Barry, um, and some other uh, people within the Hawaii music scene at the time. Lisa Smith was a classical guitar teacher, um, and uh, Ozzy Kotani and and others. So I did that in Hawaii. I went to college, studied classical guitar with a great teacher named Jack Sanders. And then I went to New York for law school, but I was doing finger style and, and that kind of stuff. And then when I moved back home in 2007, that's when I met John. And uh, for whatever reason, John decided to put up with me. So we've, we've been gigging together for like 13 years now, I think, haven't we? Yep. That's actually how I. That's actually how I know you is from the music thing. So when I'd see you in your lawyer thing, or people talk to you about the lawyer thing, I go, well, "Who?" I'm like, is, is there? Is, does he have a twin brother? Who's who the heck? What? Somebody's walking around with his name. Weird. That's how so I. We, that's how I met you too. And I realized my my wife was watching you every day on your podcast for PPP and all that. And then I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> how do we know that guy? He's so clear. He's been at that all. He played for us John, in the live thing, you know? And like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny that we see you with two different hats now, you know? John and I win the Hawaii Award for dorkiest uh, Hawaiian <laughs> duo um, in, in all of Hawaii, pretty much. Especially when I was wearing glasses. It's like, I mean, <laughs> pl- 
Yeah, like you guys are the secret. Account- you guys are secret assassins. Two accountants coming to yeah. play music or something, yeah. you know. You guys got to call your group Murder Hornets, and you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. yeah, but then Darren got into to sound and doing uh, studio work. So let me ask you this, Darren, as a as someone who works from home and all that kind of stuff, what would be the absolute um, minimal setup that someone could buy that would give them uh, a quality recording worthy enough to to release? And how's that for? Uh, this that, so does this assume they already have a computer? Um, this assumes that they already have a computer. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so with someone with a Mac, then I'm going to assume they have GarageBand, which is fully capable. So I'll, this, you know, disclosure, uh, the album that we did for Jeff Peterson back in 2010-ish that was nominated for a Grammy Award, we did the entire thing in GarageBand. So uh, and the setup for that album was uh you know two microphones and an apogee duet uh straight into garage band and and then a few plugins so the absolute cheapest you could go would be to to get one of those like all-in-one mic interfaces that are on what it whatever it's musician's friend or sweetwater sound or actually even better go to easy music support a local business uh since the prices are the same as the online prices um you know, and those probably run all the way down to a hundred bucks or so. But if you're talking about best sound quality bang for your buck, I would say uh, with a GarageBand computer, you would use something like an Apogee Duet because the Apogee preamps are the best for the money. Um, you would use a couple of, of good quality microphones. And so then- the, just, to, just to jump in real quick, just to explain to our audience, uh, a preamp is a like a power source for the mic. So not all mics, if you sing into them, they don't, if there's nothing to power them, sometimes they don't do anything, especially ones that record. So if you have a good preamp that gives it nice power, that's how you get a good sound out of the microphone. So that's, uh, once you use on stage, the power comes from the mixer. But when you're in a studio, you know, the computer doesn't power the mic, so you have to get a separate uh, power power source. I mean, or, or you can have the yeah. computer power the mic, but it would be too too little power. Yes. Sorry. You, you can think think of it like plumbing. So the the sound coming out of your mouth or out of the guitar has to go in and get get all the way down into the computer somehow. So it's coming out of your mouth. The first place it's going is into a microphone, typically. So that's you know one piece of equipment that you need. From that microphone, it's going into uh, a preamp that may be also part of uh, a digital audio interface uh, that essentially converts the, the, you know, converts it to zeros and ones. And that's the Apogee Duet or, you know, what you have, I think you have like a Scarlet or, you know, PreSonus or Focusrider. Actually consider yeah. face-to-face. And then, and then from that little device, then it goes into the computer and it sits on, you know, every track that you record, whether it's a vocal track or a guitar track, they all sit in that program, GarageBand. And sort of the last essential piece is to, you know, what's called plugins, which are uh, little pieces of software that manipulate the sound in a variety of ways. So 
GarageBand has built-in reverb, which is like that big echoey thing that you would hear, and also has um, built-in delays and things like that. Um, they are they're usable, but uh, in terms of you know you could have twenty thousand dollars of uh, plugins, but if you said you had to pick one or two that is basically your everything, um, the you know the one that I would say is a Waves uh, Ultra, I think it's Waves Multi Maximizer, which is essentially a volume plugin, and what you notice is uh, if your stuff is not loud enough, it's not going to compete with anything else out there. Every commercial recording is is volume maximized to really close to what the maximum is. And throughout the entire song, it stays very close to that. And uh, you can only get there really with, with, you know, a plugin or a piece of software. So I would say, and even for a podcast, like when I, when I mix your guys' podcasts, that's what I'm using. Yeah. Uh, that's a major piece. So I don't even so you're pretty much the, you're pretty much one of the, huh? He does, he does have a final touch that he puts to our podcast so people can hear it correctly. So you're one of the only people that listen to our podcast from the beginning to the end on every podcast. Well, I don't think he has I list, I, I list, I, I, well, not <laughs> when I'm mixing it because I just mix it and I send it. But, um, but I do listen on, on two times speed. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so much better that way. <laughs> it's a down quicker. Well, actually, uh, there, there's a lot of people that do that. I didn't like my wife does that. She'll listen at one and a half or two times speed to a lot of their her podcasts because she's like, oh, I can get through it faster and I can still understand what everyone is saying. So, mm -hmm. oh, that's interesting. But yeah, so people do do that. Sorry, I'm looking at my son because he's standing over there doing something. It looks like he's eyeing up my food. Oh, <laughs> you can get your food, Dad. But no, it's okay. It's a salad. He's not so, going to eat it anyway. <laughs> I was just joking. You can eat if you want. Not too late now. Okay. We're so late. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if John, John, have you talked about it? Is um, you know, high sessions pivoted at the you know last year. Uh, we were we were pumping out a gajillion videos. You know, um, at a clip, it was it was kind of ex exhausting for guys like you and and dave and the others who are just putting in a lot of time and effort into it um and then we sort of took a little break and now we're gearing back up i mean what is uh what's your thoughts on, on where high sessions is going well uh yeah the, the idea this year was to start putting out some content we realized after the year off that we did not have to run at this uh sprint pace of content uh because we've we've done so much over the years and um you know take our time a little bit get back to enjoying the process i think toward the end it was just like cranking out cranking out cranking out content which i believe if you if you watch a lot of youtube channels they they all at some point hit that wall right of, uh, of creating content um and so we we do plan to do that again actually we do have a we have a shoot coming at the end of the month uh, if all goes well and um, we don't get locked down again, but um, it'll we'll, we'll be putting up new music content. Yeah, everyone's just got to be a little patient because I would have wanted to have it up by now, but uh, the COVID thing did kind of throw a wrench into into that. But um, yeah, Darren will be working again. I, hey. I, I, 
I go back to the beginning in terms of what high sessions was at its root core, which I think, you know, for guys like, like us who have day jobs, it's kind of the same thing for music for us, which is when we started high sessions, it was an art project. Like it was, it was volunteer. And the whole point was to make art that supported our friends and tried to you know the, our friends who relied entirely on music for income like to try and help them out while doing something beautiful and artistic which is why you know all the way back in whatever eight years ago or whatever it was that we were you know high def cameras like way more than we needed professional audio like you know it's way overdone the production cost, if we were actually charging for it, is totally unsustainable. But, you know, we were just doing it to make something beautiful. And um, it, it just bears, like, remembering that that's what we were doing. And the, the kind of offshoot for that was it allowed us to just, like, have friends have an excuse to hang out. Because I, I would literally, you know, I, I was at a bigger firm law firm before and I would just leave and like <laughs> at 10 30 in the morning not to say anything to anyone and I'd just go to Dave's house and hang out for three hours and you know make art and high sessions and whatever and then go back to reality and uh, I think that was the fun and beauty of it even the live shoots like I don't know where De Devin always leaves after but I mean to me the best part of the live shoot is going to eat after so, um, uh, trust me, I would have I would have stuck around, but usually we were doing it in the in the on a weekday, and I had to go to work. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So by the time we finished the shoot, yeah, by the time we finished the shoot, it's like ten thirty at night, and they're like, "Let's go eat." And I'm going, "I, I wanna go." I, can't. <laughs> I know. Uh, so to jump onto that, or... not only was it a way to, for us to hang out with friends, but I, I've made friends from this uh, from this thing. You know, like uh, there's a lot of musicians that I can call and uh, just talk to, but I would have never known, um, you know, I mean, even like all the way down to like Kalei Gamiao, who I play with a lot, I, I really, I mean, I knew him from before, but I didn't really know him to the point where I'd go like, hey, do you want to come down and play at this gig with me or whatever? But mm. there's a lot of contacts that we made that uh, just been so wonderful. I, I think that's the unintended consequence of just doing good things in the world for the sake of it, right? Like. So high sessions started out like that. I mean, it did it did monetize to at least some degree with YouTube ads or whatever. But at its core, it was like let's just do a good deed in the world, and you know you have those person to person benefits. And and at least in you know on the the lawyer professional side, doing this project with Safe Hawaii Jobs and businesses, where you know liter literally like four-fifths of of my entire working day for the last month and whatever is pro bono so um the the beautiful part about it is meeting people and and sort of making new relationships and hearing stories and uh i i don't know i find that really rewarding just kind of doing a good deed and whatever happens happens you know it's great to be creative so, so Dev, you want to ask uh, Darren the island question? Ah, uh, oh, no, he, he finally lets me. Uh, yeah, he took yeah. it away from me for a second. So, uh, we're looking for uh, three desert island discs. 
You're old enough. Mm -hmm. You you actually know what that is. Um, but can it yeah. be greatest hits? Can it be greatest hits? But like three artists that uh, sort of influenced you or albums that you would take with you to listen over and over and over again. Yeah. So Hoppa first album, mm. which is 1994, I think, somewhere around there. Um, Nickel Creek, which is uh, Chris Steely, the uh, mandolin player's uh, original band, the trio. Uh, they're like a uh, bluegrass pop-ish band. Uh, and then probably... We gotta play that um, next time. What I see. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> man, that and I don't know. I guess I would. The third one maybe Ed Sheeran's the the Green album, but the, the, let me give the context to it. Uh, for me, like certain albums capture an exact moment in life. So like they are my soundtrack for that moment in life. And so really I'm not picking the albums, I'm picking these times in life. So for Hoppe in at the end of high school, that was the height of absorbing every piece of information about learning to play the guitar that I could possibly absorb. And that album, like when it came out and then watching uh, Barry and Kaylee for the first time on stage at the, car show or motorcycle show or whatever it was at the Blaisdell on that stage had a super vivid memory of it that it was um you know the 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 massive sound coming out of two people I immediately said this is everything that I want to create and actually you know playing even playing with John with our our little um like accountant sound like there, there is kind of a lot of that in there so that's one area so then nickel creek is new york for me so nickel creek is i spent six years in new york and especially the early period because i moved right after september 11th and oh, wow. uh when you new york is all walking and subways and so um that album i had in my ear all the time in, during law school walking around new york um and so when I have memories, I, I remember what it looks like and what it sounds like with earbuds in my ears. And hmm. then the last, the last one is Ed Sheeran, like, which is not necessarily for me the most mind-blowing album, but it was what I was listening to over and over when um, my dad had cancer uh, about, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And we were going to, to Seattle. I, I was going to Seattle for weeks at a time to help out he was getting treated up there and i would listen to uh ed sheeran's um that album uh especially like the slow songs on that album like i think it's like uh in, like sort of three-fourths of the way through that album and i would like lie down in the dark um you know in seattle when i should be in hawaii like doing lawyer stuff and that that put a real big impression on me so those are my three sorry for the long answer oh, oh that's, that's good. good that's the most well thought out answers we've gotten yeah that's awesome i was surprised that there was no pentatonics in there because every time i every time we have a gig and darren sets up the sound it's pentatonics playing on the on the sound system <laughs> yeah but the but the intent for okay so background music the like philosophy behind yeah. Uh, you know, when you're running live sound and you're doing background music, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people don't think about it, but 
to me, it's actually a pretty major part of the whole show. So the before part has to be something that sets the mood, but doesn't slow, keeps it slow enough so that you can pick it up when Devin takes the stage and starts, you know, yelling into the microphone and getting everyone hyped to see Jake do somersaults or whatever, you know? <laughs> and um, so, you know, you need a, a mood music. It has to be at a volume that's lower than what's coming up on stage and, uh, you know, set the right tone. And then the afterwards, like after our set, where everyone is feeling good, there's a big finale close, you know? And so like everyone's like ready to party still and you just like are done. So then I, I think I want something, you know, dancey and slamming and uh, pentatonics mixed through big speakers is, is full and smacking. So that's why I like it. Mm. We got all those voices going at once though. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, John, yeah. that presents another interesting question we can start asking is what is what one song do you hear that as soon as you hear it till today brings you back to a memory or something that oh, yeah, yeah, that's that, good. I was gonna well, I was gonna say you know when we um it hit me like smack in the face when uh we filmed the original Capenna so this is uh I don't know what year that was it must have been like 2015 or something like that we had them come in because they were going to reunite oh and, yeah it had been like, I don't know, seven, eight years since they've ever played together. And I had seen, I mean, because when I was playing at Pure Heart, you know, we'd see them at gigs all the time. I saw them all the time. And at a certain point, I guess you kind of take that for granted, you know, like, and um, it's like, oh, I've seen Capenna a lot. And so I didn't think much of it. And then after not seeing them for a while, and then they just started with, ba -da -ba 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 and it's just like, bam, I'm back in high school. Like immediately, yeah. just like, and, and all these memories of like, high school and where I was when I saw them at this concert and this dance. Oh yeah. It just all flooded back like a, like in an instant, you know, and I thought, Oh man, yeah. Okay. I understand that. Cause people say that sometimes about some of, some of the pure heart stuff. I, I didn't understand it till, till that moment when I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I get it. Cause yeah, that was a time warp, you know? Yeah. It was so much fun. That's fascinating because I, you know, you were somewhat peers to them at the, end of your high school, early college sort of years. Whereas for me, like, you know, I, 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 those were my idols. Like I was a, I didn't know anyone, had no professional music experience at that, you know, when we were both 17. So like, uh, you know, it's, for me, I think obviously it's gonna, I'm gonna remember it that way. But the fact that you remember it that way, even though you're sharing the same stages, is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> remember now I have like, really really low self-esteem so i never look at myself as anyone who has any value and that has a lot to do with it i'm sure <laughs> no but doubt i've, no I've doubt. never i've never to this day even even now would even consider them my peers they're still way up here and i'm still way down here <laughs> so which is funny yeah because you go out with him and you go out with john and meet with people and they freak out when they meet john from pure heart Oh yeah, and he's not known as he's not known as John Yamasato. He's John from Pure Heart. <laughs> John, I never told you this, and I'm not gonna mention a name, but I have a friend, and it, it's a girl. She was like, oh, "You guys are John?" I said, "Yeah." Oh my god, I was in love with him in high school, and I'm like, "Ooh, really?" <laughs> like our our John? Yeah, yeah, our John. So you know, you had it going on in high school, and if you didn't know it, I guess you know. She must yeah. have been. Uh... 
she must be either over 70 or under 20 years old. That, that was on your demographic. They're huh? on your age. Yeah. Hey, man, it worked on your wife. That's all that matters. Yeah. Oh, no, she could care less. Yeah, she could really care less. <laughs> <laughs> she was always like, you still have to go do that music stuff. Like, and, okay. Uh, she's not around. If she comes back, next time, next time you see her around here in one of these things, ask her what her favorite song of mine is. And let's see if she can even come up with a name of a song that I sing. Really? Um, so like so solo stuff or stuff that you do with your heart or does it matter? Anything. Anything? If, you, if you asked her what her favorite Justin Young song is, like that, she could come up with an answer. <laughs> Jason Mraz. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> favorite Jason Mraz song, like that. And Boom. But if you ask her what her favorite Johnny Masada song is, she's going to have to think. Yeah, but that's because uh, you're her husband. She's got to pick because she's got to think of a song. No, but you're her husband, man. Like, if she thinks of you that way, there's no, there's no even dynamic to your marriage, and that's going to mess you all up. So it's good that she didn't think very much of you. Because, you know, it's even. Because I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> Heather <laughs> Devin doesn't go, oh, my God, Devin the DJ. I'm oh, married. no. Yeah. Oh, no. No, no. I no. love his voice and, you know. She'll be, sitting, she'll be sitting in meetings and people will say, oh, we need an MC for something. Heather, you know what's do that? She goes, oh, God. No, yeah, I know. He does, yeah, he doesn't read it. it. They're completely, it is not something that's, yeah, even remotely on her radar. She'll, she'll turn around and go, yeah, people know you. Okay, I think it's whatever. Just, it's just yeah, all, I, all grounded, right? We have wives that just, like, why not this? I, I I actually much prefer it, like, you know, so De Devin, you and I haven't hung out that much, but I assume it's the same. But anytime I go with John or, like, if I'm with Jeff Peterson or whatever, then, like, m the average is two to three people stop and, like, say hi or something. <laughs> and um, I, I much I much prefer to just eat my food while they're doing that. And, uh, so, Yeah. That's why I like the yeah. mixing behind. Like, I don't, I, I actually much prefer sort of being behind for that stuff. So, Darren, if you could do me the favor, uh, we're going to wrap it up, but can you text me the information so that, because if people watch this, I'm going to post on, on YouTube and stuff, I'll put your link. So, if they need uh, information, they can go to get, you know, because I know you have FAQs and stuff like that, that, um, you know. Yep. If we can help out one person with this, great. I, 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 but because it's so timely, I'm going to try to get it out this evening. Yep, I'll, I'll send that. Cool. Well, hey, man, then I'll just... If, if nothing else, you've helped, you've helped Kyle, so thank you. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you for informing me. and I, I get, Thank you for informing all of Hawaii every day. I'm sure yeah. everybody appreciates you taking the time out. It's funny, you know, my wife's friend calls him, calls him Angel. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's a good... That's a, the description. Although it might just be the, the light shining off his <laughs> Yeah, with the virtual background when it doesn't quite work. Yeah. Uh, no, but thank you for all you do. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Man, we, we have so many good guests. Like, I keep saying, oh, we got to have you back on. But at this point, we're going to have everybody back on because the guests have just been awesome, including you, Darren. That was a fun hangout. Yeah. <laughs> So until next time, uh, take care, have a good weekend, and uh, we'll see you next week with another episode. Yay! Bye! Bye! Bye.